some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a freshly minted episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. Greg will join me in just a second. I want to, uh, first of all, apologize. It looks like my connection is coming in and out. Greg's is much better than mine. I don't know why this is happening. I'm trying to figure it out on the fly here, so I apologize for any hiccups in the delivery of the show to you all. And Free Palestine says, let's go. I've been waiting for the show. It seems like forever. Glad it's back on, and it is indeed back on. And plus, many of you may not know that Greg and Danny Shimon are offering some exclusive contract through our Patreon page, our newly issued Patreon page. Let me play a quick promo for you, and then we'll talk about it on the other end. We're off to a great start with subscribers, and there's room for plenty, plenty more. So visit our Patreon page and uh, subscribe for our content. It's going to be available for about four months, and if things go well, we've got ideas on continuing our exclusive contract, our content here on the Barroom Network. But you guys are here to listen to this gentleman here. His name <laughs> is Greg Gabriel. Greg, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, but everybody in my household seems to have a cold right now. Oh, that time, that type, that type of or time of the year. Indeed, it is. There's, uh, you know, there was a guy on me on the plane back from Mobile. There was a guy on me that was having a cough attack, and I was looking back at him because he didn't have a mask on or anything. And then, as we're ascending in the air, he starts pressing his emergency button. Apparently, he was choking. It wasn't a cold that he had; he was just choking. He needed water. So. but uh, I've been feeling fine. Thanks for asking, everybody. <laughs> Greg, I want to get. Fine, re- I'll ask. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, I want to get right into it. You just spent uh, several days in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, where it was well, so beautiful. Cold. Some of the days, not every day. <laughs> exactly. It was so cold for one of the practices. Danny Shimon is texting me back and saying, "I want to go to Mobile." <laughs> oh, it's probably cold there too. No, Saturday and Sunday practices were gorgeous. It's probably in the mid fifties. Felt warmer than that. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh, then Monday's practice, and and they practiced at eight o'clock in the morning there. So you mm-hmm. know, and in in Vegas this time of the year, that's like the coldest time of the day, just about. So, but it was drizzling and cold. In fact, it started off at forty nine degrees. When practice started, by the end of practice, it was forty, and with the drizzle, and it was a lot windier than it had been during the week. 
So that part was a bitch. But other than that, it, you know, it, it was a good time. Some good football players got to catch up with a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a few years from around the league. I uh, had a nice chat with Ryan Pace. Ryan Pace. Ryan Poles. Why do I want to say Ryan Pace? Uh, I, I've done that too many times. Ryan, too. Ryan Pace was not there. Atlanta's coaching staff was there, but I did not. Ryan could have been there. I didn't see him. Um, mm -hmm. But I did have a nice chat with Ryan Poles. And, uh, um, you know, we can talk about that a little. There's a lot of stuff I, you know, got to keep private within that conversation. But I got a pretty good idea or pretty good handle on on how he wants to to do things this spring mm -hmm. and you know it's got to all fall into place you know you can have a plan but that doesn't mean the plan is going to work right you know because you got it's not like you're the the only team bidding on certain players or whatever you know mm -hmm. so you got to compete and and uh, uh i'll just start off i you know i get the impression he's more than willing to spend money but he's wants to be smart about it and pressure I get as, is that you know if a guy has a he's older and he has an injury history he isn't going to spend money on him he might give him a one-year deal or a two-year deal but you know he, he doesn't want broken players coming into the locker room that's just throwing good money after bad as far as mm -hmm. he's concerned so um other than that like I say I I, I think that the emphasis and he didn't necessarily say this but i think the emphasis is going to be on the defensive line between the draft and free agency mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe one veteran offensive lineman and then uh, like a lot of people think that they should trade for a wide receiver or sign a wide receiver in free agency i think a wide receiver will come in the draft and because i think he's looking for a certain type of wide receiver um, and there's plenty of those in the draft. So we'll see. You know, um, I, when I saw the photograph on Twitter that somebody took of you talking to Ryan Poles, I was hoping uh, that you would then soon give me a call and give me the load on everything he shared with you. And, of course, you are a man of your word. You're, you're a man with high integrity. You didn't share anything with me. But I would like to ask you a little bit about the conversation in that you've had face-to-face -face meetings with general managers from other teams throughout the years. You've worked side-by-side -side with general managers. You've built teams with them. What is your overall impression of Ryan Poles, who is now entering his second year as a general manager in the National Football League? What what impressed you about what he shared with you and just about him as a man? Number one, well, we've got some common connections, people that he's worked for, that I've worked with. Um, and I, And that's what you know, we were supposed to get together and talk back in July and he was so busy that, you know, he had to cancel. And so uh, this was the opportunity to catch up. And, and like I say, we've got a lot of common friends between the two of us. And, and I'll be honest, you know, we had him in camp in what was it, 2008 or whatever year he came out of college. And I don't remember much about him. He was a free agent. Um, it was the year we drafted Williams, the tackle. Um, Forte might have been that year, too. Uh, but, you know, as a per first of all, he's a real good guy. And, you know, when you, see, when you see him on TV, 
you don't think he's as big as he is. He's and, and I don't mean massive big that way. He's tall. Like he's a good six four, six five. Um but you know, he, he knows what he wants. He knows what his convictions are. He knows how he wants to go about getting it done. And he's sure of himself. Mm-hmm. So from from that point of view, uh, I, you know, I think they're in, in, in good hands. And he's been well-trained. He's worked for some really good people over the years. And he, he's a very educated, astute, smart individual. Um, so, I, you know, it's, it's not an easy job. And you're going to have people, regardless of what he does, you're going to have people that all you got to do is look at Twitter. Everybody's got a different opinion. But, you know, you got to tone that out. In fact, we, we talked about Twitter a little bit. You know, he goes, I took it off my phone. I don't even want to see what's out there. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> so. Yeah, I got to I got to ask you this. Um, do do you think that his plan? Oh, well, here, here's how I should phrase this is a lot of Bears fans truly don't understand his plan because I I see the suggestions on social media, oh, trade for this receiver who's going to make $25 million a season. Oh, bring in this veteran who is going to – because they're looking for quick fixes, and that's not Ryan Poles' plan at all. This past year was about tearing down. Getting, you know, getting rid of pieces that weren't going to fit. Now, I get the impression he really wanted to keep Roquan. They couldn't get together on money. It's like there was no negotiation. Mm-hmm. Roquan was that one figure, and he wasn't coming off that figure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I think what happened is that rather than just lose him next month of free agency and get nothing, you make the trade and you get something. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I truly believe that he really wanted to have him part of the building block going forward. It just wasn't going to work out. But then when you talk about guys like uh, Mac or, or Quinn, you know, and you look at age, injury history, and up and down play or whatever, and, and, and Mac was the same thing. He started off gangbusters this year, and then he – kind of hits the wall the second half of the season because you know he's been beat up a lot and and it, it was easy to make those moves because they're making a huge amount of money they're getting up in age and he's trying to get this team young that's why i'm saying this he didn't say this i don't see him going after anybody on on the wrong side of 30 unless he can get him on a really short deal you know because why would you pay Okay, let's say Hargrove, and I'm I'm just or Hargrave, I'm just picking this one out of the air, and I may be totally wrong. And people can tell me that later on. But he's 30, he'll be 30 years old this month, I think. And it's gonna cost you a four or five year deal at 20 million or more per year to sign him to a contract. Okay, so now what the hell is he going to be in three or four years, being that he's 30 years old now or, you know, within the next few weeks? So is that a smart investment versus, say, 
You got uh, Jones at Denver, who's 25 or 26. You got Payne, if he hits the market, who's 25, 26. You know, younger guys that have a career in front of them still. You know, where, where you can sign into a five-year deal and hope that that injuries don't cut this guy's career short, and you're going to get the length of that deal out of the guy. Mm. Um, so I, I, I'm glad you illustrated that for us because that is just a pet peeve of mine where – People are just making ridiculous assertions and everybody's, you know, entitled to their opinion and stuff. But I, I, I do think I, I wish I do wish some people that I respect very much on social media were to know what the plan is and to see how it fits. Also, scheme. Well, we, we could bring up one. OK, everybody, there's probably 10,000 people out there. Trade for T. Higgins. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, he's not available. OK, but if he were available. He probably costs more than you want to pay. But number two, and actually this should be number one, they already got two of those guys on the team. You want mm -hmm. certain types of receivers. And they paid a second-round pick for one. And actually, when you look at the numbers, the two they got, which is Claypool and St. Brown, speed and test-wise were far superior to T. Higgins. Now, granted, T. Higgins – had a very productive season for Cincinnati. He was productive before, but he's also the number two, and the other guy draws double coverage, and he's always got single coverage. And that mm -hmm. plays plays into it, too. And and so is he an upgrade? You know, I I, I, I can share this. I, I, you know, a friend told me, we've talked about this three or four times on the show, that when that Claypool trade was made, he said, you aren't getting anything out of it until next year. It's going to take time. And then what made matters worse is Claypool got dinged up, then Fields got dinged up. The time to work together and, mm -hmm. and really learn the scheme was, was shot. So it's next year that you're going to see the production. Yeah. And, and But anyway, getting back, you've got between those two, you got two big, long, athletic, receivers and then he got mooney who's a you know a smaller guy real fast gets separation and out of cuts you know now you need somebody like in between type type guy that 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 um probably you know ha has the speed and the separation ability of mooney but not that not necessarily the size of a uh, of a clay pool or a saint brown you know and and but I think, you know, getting that guy that has a lot of separation ability would be what they're looking for. And there's a lot of those, lot of those players in the draft this year. I, I counted just offhand probably 10. And that doesn't include some of the top receivers in the draft because, you know, when you look at what they – what I think from talking to people, what they're looking for, they don't really fit that thing, so to speak. So it, it, it'll be interesting how, how it plays out. You know, we still got five weeks to go before free agency starts, but we're going to know who's available a lot sooner than that. 
because you're going to find out, you know, who gets tagged, who doesn't get tagged, who gets a new contract, who doesn't get a new contract. And then you're going to get a better idea. Okay. Who's available. But even to fast forward a little bit after that, you know, you see all these mock drafts. And to me right now, uh, somebody said the, the Claypool trades a bust. Well, I got news for you. No, no, he's hey, saying Fred. that. The, he's saying oh. the local media is already saying. Well, the lo- local media can shove it. They can say whatever <laughs> they want. I love you it. know, <laughs> the local media in Chicago plays negative. That, that's that's the way they are. They have been that way. I've been here twenty-one years. They play that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the, I know that one of the reasons he made that trade was because the free agent pool in wide receiver and the wide receiver position. Now guys could get cut because of salary and that could change things. But as mm-hmm. it stands right now, the way the free agent pool looks in very good. Mm-hmm. Now the, the, the draft class is pretty good. It might, it's not as good as last year up top, say in, in the, in the first half of the first round, but mm-hmm. so what? It's depth. You're going to get really good players in the third and fourth round that are going to help you. That's how deep the wide receiver class is. So, you know, you don't have to overpick a guy. There's going to be something going in the first round, but you don't have to overselect a guy because he, um, you know, he fits that need. You can, you can be patient and let the, the draft come to you, so to speak. And, and get the guy at the right time and not overpick him. There you go. All right, let's talk about the Shrambo game. You were there under, uh, as you mentioned earlier, under the advisory, uh, uh, as part of the advisory team. I want to ask you first a general question about the event itself, because it was in Mobile where I was, it was a huge topic of discussion with Jim Nagy. And as one reporter put it, You've got the other all-star games nipping at your heels, and they kind of puffed his chest out and said, we only lost two players to other all-star games. We got everyone that we invited. Let me remind you. Of course he's going to say that. Uh, Absolutely. And he says, let me remind you about the history. And he went on and on and talked about the history. I would love for your honest opinion on what is the status of these two all-star games, uh, primarily these two. There's a number of other, but these are the two big ones now. Where, where is this headed? Is the Senior Bowl on the decline and the Shrine Bowl ascending or vice versa? Or there, what kind of nuance can you share? The league, I'll, I'll start from the, the main thing, the National Football League. The league has put their backing behind the East-West. The Senior Bowl has a great tradition. And it's, you're not going to break that tradition but the league is pushing the East-West as the premier all-star game. Now, it's going to take a couple years for, you know, the roster was better this year than it was last year. It's going to be better next year than it is this year. It's, and talking to people there, and I've probably talked to a half a dozen teams, um, everybody in the league knows all the teams know that the league, Park Avenue, wants the East-West to be the game. Mm-hmm. So now it's getting the agents and the players on board. And, you know, there's it, a lot of it's marketing. 
you got to get the league to openly say it. But, you know, it started with the coaching staff. That was the first move. And where the, where the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons coaching staff at the East-West, and in my opinion, the Patriots practices were about five times better than the Atlanta practices. The, the way New England ran the practices, it was perfect from an evaluation standpoint. And that's what, that's what you want to see. Everything they did had value to, you know, getting a good look at the player, seeing what you needed to see. Uh, I don't thought I didn't think that was the case necessarily with the other team that Atlanta was coaching, but is what it is. And and you're going to find that just about every year because different coaching staffs are going to attack it, you know, in a different way. Uh, but the the facilities except for the last day of practice, which was at the Raiders facility, the was that the practices were at UNLV. There's two fields side by side at, at the UNLV practice facility. It was ideal, you know, and, and for the most part, the weather was good. Uh, practice in the morning, there was uh, the teams want, what, what, what's a very important but unspoken aspect of an all-star game is that teams want access to the players for interviews. And they had all afternoon and all evening to interview because you're done with practice by noon. Mm-hmm. Both teams practicing. And so that part was great, you know, because I specifically asked some teams, you know, are you okay with the setup? Did you like it? They all loved it. Mm-hmm. So, again, that part was really good. And now it's just a matter of, of getting the word out and getting everybody on board. And, and there was a lot of decision makers there. And there was a lot of scouts. First couple, especially Saturday and Sunday. I think when the weather got bad on Monday, some guy said, screw it, I'm going to Mobile now instead of <laughs> this afternoon, you know. Uh-uh because they didn't want to stand out in that stuff either. And I don't blame them, but the, the, the first two practices were the most important because they were, had the, you know, the heavy hitting in them, et cetera. And, and and so they got to see, you know, quality football, but now let's talk about one thing that, you know, the purpose of an all-star game where you see, and I'm going to write about this tomorrow in, in Windy City Gridiron you start seeing these things. Oh, so-and-so is on the rise. So-and-so is falling. That is the biggest bunch of nonsense that you could ever see or ever hear. It doesn't happen. Every one of these guys are pretty good players because they're, they're, they're in an all-star game to begin with. They've been extensively scouted during the season. Two, three, four looks at each player you know, on, on, on school calls. And so you've already got a good book on it. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the all-star game, it's another look. And the game itself is not as important as the practice because the practice, you know, you, you, you they're with new people. So you want to see how the player responds to, a different environment, a different type of practice setting, uh, his attitude, his intensity, things like that. But 
what if he has a good week and jumps out, does that mean he's going to all of a sudden rise up a board? No, it doesn't. What it means is you you've already gone. You got a grade on the guy already, a preliminary grade, and you've got expectations for each player. And if they outperform those expectations, mm-hmm. then you look at it and say, you know, we might have missed something in in our fall look. So let's go back and look at a little more tape and come up with, no, we didn't, you know, or whatever. You might say, yeah, I didn't see, you know, what I saw in some of the things at the All-Star game. I could see that now on tape. We just missed a right. And, and so that helps a player a little bit. But is it going to knock them up a round or two? Come on, no, that, that doesn't happen. Okay, now, there is an exception, and the exception is for the small school kid. And... Like there was a, a an offensive tackle at the East West who who came out, but he couldn't practice because he had a broken foot or something. His foot was in a in a boot uh, from Quincy College, which is here in Illinois. Big offensive lineman, but he couldn't practice. That see a situation like that you would love to see. Okay, here's a kid who's like a D three kid. What's he going to do against Power Five type kids? Mm-hmm. And, and now, now, and if he holds up well and plays as well against the power five guys as he does against the D three kids, now that kid can jump because you see, wait, you know, it, it wasn't just his size and strength that made him dominate D three kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that's a different situation. Now, the same thing with the with the, say the guys that fall. Um, and, and we can use, there was a, a, a video on Twitter of the Northwestern defensive lineman just killing uh, Patterson from Notre Dame and one one-on-one pass blocking attempt at the senior bowl, pushed him back about six yards real quick. And so you look at that, how is that, that going to hurt Patterson? Well, in, in Patterson's case, you got he was a four-year starter at Notre Dame. You cut four years of tape. Now, is it not one thing that will hurt him is that you finally get verified measurements. He's got like 31 and a quarter inch arms on a six foot five guy. Okay. Wow. Way too short. So he is he played guard this year, played center before that. He's at with arms that short. He's playing center. End of discussion. And maybe he can be a backup guard, but he's going to lose the leverage situation be, strictly because of one thing: arm length. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 some people can disagree with it, and they can disagree with it all they want. But the when you look at the averages and you look who's playing and and who isn't playing. You got to go with those averages all the time because, generally speaking, now Olin was six foot two, had 31 and a half inch arms. This guy's six foot five and had shorter arms. So that's a big difference. By the way, I want to thank uh, Berlissimo. Uh, we just opened up a tips uh, feature here on the Barroom Network, and uh, Berlissimo has. Uh, Donated two pounds. I don't. I'm not sure what the U.S. currency is. That's pro- probably about either two dollars and ten cents or a, two pounds of gold. 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> two years. I don't. I don't know. I'm embarrassed to say. Is the euro still a thing over there? Is the pound? Still well, in England, you still got pounds and pence and all that. But but I know. <laughs> but the euro is is universal in I, Europe, as far as I know. And I know you got great people like Bellissimo there and uh, Christopher and so many others. Thank you, Bellissimo. You're, you're quite the guy. Uh, but Hair Bear says it's two pounds worth of weed. When was the last time you smoked marijuana, Greg Gabriel? <laughs> more, than, more than 40 years ago. <laughs> wow, that's, that's very impressive. Uh, Bob, you don't want to smoke any of the stuff out there nowadays. <laughs> I got, I, got bad, I got bad lungs now. <laughs> um, all right. So a, a great way to explain that topic. Now I want to move to what well, you I, saw. I just want to finish up one thing because I, I got off track talking about Patterson. So if a guy has a bad week, okay, again, it's like he played less than anticipated or expected. So again, go back and look at tape, but you still had that huge body of work that you saw during the season that you mm -hmm. got a number of grades on. And you yeah. don't discount that. The all-star game is 10% or less of a grade. Now, mm -hmm. the guys who give it all the credence are the people that never have seen these guys before. And, and that's a lot of your draft analysts because this is their first opportunity to see the guy live. And so they pump the guy up because he might have had a good week. But reality is, it doesn't happen. There you go. Okay. Um, yeah, because it, it is it is funny. You know, uh, it, you, you look at social media and, and even from uh, people who are like the Daniel Jeremiah's, you know, he uh, posted about Josh Wiley, the tight end from Cincinnati. He po he posted uh, he's he's jumped up the the draft board this week because he's had a really good week blocking and, and receiving, but that's not necessarily you know accurate in in so many different ways. There's a lot of nuance involved with you know players moving up and down draft boards based on all stars, you know uh, all star games. A lot of it, as you said, are the interviews. A lot of it is some stuff that you that you learn. For instance, a player might tell you, yeah, I had a really bad sinus infection on that day where I got beat three times for sacks or whatever, something like that. Might add some more nuance to your evaluation. Isn't that so? Yeah. I mean, th there's a lot of things that do it. You just don't put too much into it. It's a small piece of the puzzle. It's not the puzzle. And mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it becomes the puzzle, and that's not it. What are you going to throw away a 12 game season and maybe a 13 game season if they played in the bowl game? And if they played in the conference championship, a 14 game season, you're going to throw that out? No, you, you don't do that. So, and, and the same thing goes with the combine. Mm -hmm. You know, you're expect, you're, each player is expected to have a good workout. They are spending anywhere from four to six weeks at, instructional camps getting ready for the combine the red flag is if you don't have a good workout at the combine especially after you've spent four to six weeks preparing for it yeah. but and i'll give you a perfect example because people say oh they run real good and they jump up well johnny knox ran 429 what round did we get him uh fourth, fourth or fifth 
Yeah, now, okay. Fourth, it was, he's a he's a mid day day three selection, even though mm -hmm. there weren't it wasn't day three then. It's day three now. Okay, um, Darnell Moody knocked it out of the park at the combine. Where'd he go? Round five. He mm -hmm. had one of the best all around wide receiver workouts at the combine, and he had great tape. So don't tell me that the combine bumped him up because it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. You know, and, and that's just two players that, that you know, I took when, when I was with the Bears and then Ryan Pace took when, when he was a general manager. It doesn't happen. That's a figment of of the fans' imagination. Mm -hmm. Many, many thanks to Toreen Whitfield, a $9.99 donation. That is extraordinary. That's enough to buy you a nice cold beer, Greg Gabriel. Um you still drink beer, right? Well, well, it depends. Now, I'm in Buffalo. It's enough to get me two beers, <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe even three, depending on the bar I want to go to. But in yeah. Chicago, different story. I've been to your house, not in your neighborhood, Greg. <laughs> not in your neighborhood. I got to tell right. you, I got to tell you a funny story. So, sure do. You know, we know how how expensive drinks are when you go to a bar, especially if you're downtown. Mm -hmm. So. This is 2016, and, and we're at my daughter's rehearsal dinner. And then a bunch of people decided to go out after. And one was my stepson and, and my daughter and her husband-to-be and some other people in the wedding party. So we went to this place, place that I used to hang out a lot at when, when I was younger called Mulligan's Brick Bar in Allentown. So we go to Mulligan's, Mulligan's. I buy a round of drinks for everybody. Cost me less than 20 bucks. Wow. Nice. Oof. Okay. So, and, and Nola just looks, he goes, $19.50? I go, yeah, I know. That's one drink in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a half a drink in Vegas where you just came from. <laughs> it's uh, oh, pretty crazy. wild. All right. Let's talk about Vegas because I'd love to get an idea of just at a very high level, uh, uh, name two, three, four players who really Im impressed you. And I, 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 for one, really want to get your take on the wide receiver, A.T. Perry, who everyone now ha is starting to talk about. Of course, you will have people who say, yeah, I've been pointing this guy out for years. Well, frankly, I have not heard of him until the last few weeks. And he is really, really he, was, he was always one of my number one guys. Now I, yeah. you know, it, what I did him during the summer and had a first to second round grade on him off of 2021 tape. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. He lit it up again this year. Big receiver, just under six, three, 195 pounds. He, it'll be interesting to see because he's a little bit of a strider and those mm -hmm. guys it's, it's hard to really tell how fast they are because they're not quick steppers. But uh -huh. what he what he showed at the East West is that getting in and out of cuts and stuff and on comeback routes, he breaks down really well and has a quick burst coming out of the out of cuts. So that's that's gonna help him. But still, the wide receiver is a stopwatch driven position. You can mm -hmm. have uh, and, and a perfect example would be the receiver from Purdue last year um, who everybody liked, you know, he caught a gazillion passes each of the last, you know, in, in 20 and 21. 
and then mm-hmm. he ran slow at the combine. And that I think he ended up going in the third round where some people thought he might have been a first rounder mm-hmm. had he, he run at what was anticipated, but he wasn't that fast. And, and the funny thing is he wouldn't run again. You oh, know, and, and usually when you run slow at the combine, you want the guy to run again. But mm-hmm. what the fact is, is slow guys know they're slow. So <laughs> they don't want to run again because they might be slower. Mm-hmm. You know, so. But Perry but, really caught your eye. Yeah, and but I was expecting to. And and uh, Flowers, the now Flowers didn't play in the game, uh, but we knew that going in. He was going to practice and not play in the game, practice the first few days. And he stayed around, but that was part of the way of getting them was you had a and, – and the same thing happened. There's like one team at the Senior Bowl only had 41 players suit up for the game. There was over, what, 55 or something like that on the team. The guys that – they know that the game means nothing. The, it's what the practices are. And so they they take part in the practice part and go home for the game. And we're good with that because, like I said, we care about the practices. But some players have jumped on. Here's what I did is I just – I checked off guys that – maybe even jumped out on one rep at me that I was watching. So, and, but I marked them so that I would go back then and watch tape when they got, okay. you know, so um, starting with the West team, there's an edge player, Brenton Cox from Florida. Um, then Zay flowers, but I already had done a lot of work with him. Zay mm-hmm. flowers. He's not very big. 5092, 5093, so 5'9 and a quarter, 183 pounds. He's got decent arm length. He's fast, he's quick, but he gets in and out of cuts very, very quickly. And he can return kicks. Um, there's a cornerback, Jarek Bernard Converse from LSU, uh, receiver from Liberty, Demario Douglas, a corner from UAB, Starling Thomas, um, running back from Minnesota, Mohammed Ibrahim, or Ibrahim, uh, a corner from Minnesota, Terrell Smith, an offensive lineman from UAB, Kadeem Telford, a wide receiver from Hampton. Jadikus Bonds, I think is how you pronounce his name. Okay. Uh, an interior defensive lineman, so defensive tackle from Toledo, uh, Dijon Johnson. Mm-hmm. Another interior guy from Boise, Scott Matlock. An edge from Wagner, which is like, a, I think, a D3 school. Um, Titus Leo, and that's going to be tough trying to find tape on him. Uh, Andre Jones, an edge from Louisiana, and Truman Jones, an edge from Harvard. Now, the kid from Harvard might be just a little bit, I think he weighed 252, but he just looks smaller than that. He might be just a an out, a 3-4 outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he's going to hold up, but I, I want to see what he did against Ivy League competition. It, uh, this is guy, at best, he's a day three guy, but he jumps out because of his effort and he is athletic. 
but he's 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 still raw. Uh, the other team, the best quarterback there was Aiden O'Connell from Purdue. Uh, not the most mobile guy, but he's accurate and he's got real strong arm. Wide receiver from South Carolina State, Shaquan Davis, A.T. Perry, who we already talked about. Uh, and another interior defensive lineman from West Virginia, Dante Sills. Uh, an interior guy from Wake Forest, Kobe Turner. Uh, a three technique from Texas, Moro Ojomo. Um, Caleb Murphy, an edge from Ferris State, so that's Division Two. Uh, Jose Ramirez, an edge from uh, Eastern Michigan, B.J. Thompson, an edge from Stephen F. Austin, Travias Hodges Tomlinson, a corner from TCU, and Javarius Owens, a safety from Houston. So those are guys that just, you know, watching practices. And, and the thing is, you can't watch every player and every play. It's impossible. You right. know, and they're using – they were literally using both fields – so mm-hmm. unless you had eyes on both sides of your head, you couldn't see everything, <laughs> everything that was going on. So now let's go back and, and, and watch tape. And I've got and, the, the, the practice tape to, to look at. But uh, and, and some of them might not be that good, but they just did something that said, oh, I want to look yeah. more of what this guy can do. And, and uh, because I'm always interested in, in the process of scouting, and I've learned so much from you over the – Two three years we've been working together. It's so almost three, almost three. Look at that. We're gonna this have to throw a party. Let's throw a party this summer. Come on over okay. to the house and uh, we'll have some drinks and uh, and and turn you on to some new marijuana. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so the process that with my lungs. <laughs> you, you can get a contact high. The neighbors smoke a lot. <laughs> no, but the process, you named a lot of guys from colleges that in some cases I heard about for the first time. How much are those small colleges covered by NFL scouting departments, or are they just learning about some of these players? No, too? they know about them. They wouldn't have got there if they didn't know about them. Okay. The, okay. You going into the season, every team gets a copy of we call it the Bible for lack of a better term, and what it is 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 the prospect book, and that's what the the two scouting services. That's what their job is to go out, beat the bushes, and find the prospects. And so the area scouts for the the two scouting services are Blesto and National Football Scouting. Mm -hmm. And so they're going in, they're looking at all these underclassmen, and they're providing aid. Now, they may may miss on some guys or or whatever, but you're going to go in and you've got a starting point. And that includes schools like Grand Valley and, and some other small schools like Wagner and uh, et cetera. So, you know, maybe Wagner's got two guys. You just didn't know about it. But everybody in the league knew about this guy because he was on the list going into the season. So it's a matter then of, of going in, making a school call during the year. And, and if you like him, somebody else is coming in after you. And maybe two people are coming in after you. But then when you when you watch, and, and that particular guy, with the, there was two or three times he just, you know, I had to look and say, who is that guy? 
because, you know, you saw some explosiveness. He's big, he's long. And you say, wow, this, this guy might be worth taking, but you want to look at tape. You want to see how much he dominated because if he doesn't totally dominate at the, at the lower level, then there's something wrong, even though, but being that he got to a all-star game to begin with, he had to be doing something right. Uh, Greg on our bath, uh, excuse me, bathroom barroom draft exclusives on our Patreon page and people uh, watching on YouTube or any of our video deliveries can see the website that will take you to that. One of the videos that we posted there was you explaining what the profile is for offensive tackles and what the bears are, are going to be looking for. So I'd like you to share some of that here on our free platform here on the on Barroom Network's uh, uh, GTF show. Explain that profile for us because that's going to lead to a, a question or two that people are asking in the, in the chat. Okay. He's, he's got to be very athletic. So I can tell you who's not a fit. And Jordan, if you're here, get ready to piss in your pants because you're not going to like that. That big monster from Ohio State, if he was the last pick in the draft, they wouldn't take him. Okay, because he can't play in the scheme. Okay, so it, it's not saying that he, he's not a good football player. Mm -hmm. You're saying that he's just not a scheme fit. And what you're asking the tackles to do in this outside zone is they got to pull, they got to get out in space. They got to be, be able to get in front of the back. They got to be able to adjust on the move and adjust on the move means, you know, the, the linebacker or defensive back, he's going to move to try to avoid the block. You got to be able to move with quickness and agility and body control to still make a, a you know, a, a responsible block on the guy. And so if they can't do that, then why do you want them? Because now, that said, two years ago, that same player with in Matt Nagy's offense and Juan Castillo coaching the line would be way high. He, mm. is, he was the fit. Do you follow what I'm saying? Uh, Absolutely. So, so it has nothing to do with the talent of the player, and it has everything to do with the type of player that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. I, I asked, and I'm not going to bring up the guy's name, but there's a, a, a free agent offensive lineman that's going to hit the market. And I said, what about him? No, he's not a scheme fit. This he's is Ryan Paul's saying. Yeah. He's a, yeah. yeah, he's not, he's not a scheme fit. Yeah. yeah. And so, and so he said, I, I, I like the guy, but I, I you know, he, he's not going to help us because mm -hmm. he, he can't do what we're going to ask, what we ask the tackles to do. And so that, that's, that's what it's about. So it's got to be, you're almost in essence looking for two left tackles to play in this scheme because they've got to have that athleticism and that ability to get out into space. You know, my opinion, Borum is not really a fit. They had to get by with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Reef in his younger days was a fit, but now, you know, he's 33 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, he'd be 34 next year. 
Um, and he was on a one-year deal. I, you know, I don't expect him back. The only way I expect him back is if they struck out. Mm-hmm. But there's guys in the draft, uh, and, and there's some guys that s- started out their career. Eh, we could mention one guy, uh, Paris Johnson, but you'd have to get him in the first round. Um, from Ohio State, he started his career at right tackle because they had a good left tackle. And then when that guy went on to the NFL, they moved him over to the left side. So you already know he can play on the right side because he's done it. Mm-hmm. And he's done it successfully. So, and it, and athletically, he's a really good scheme fit. Remember when I was saying, you know, when I was with the Bears, you'd have a grade. And after the grade number, let's say he was an A67, and you'd have an A67 plus, an A67 with nothing there, or an A67 minus. The A67 minus meant he wasn't a scheme fit. Hmm. The A67 with nothing next to it, we call that a vanilla. He, you can live with him. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're, you're only going to take him if you're going to strike out because you want pluses. And the pluses are guys who are total scheme fits for, for what you're doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned to me uh, on our, one of our last text messages with each other is that you'd like to start using that grading system or a similar grading system for the videos that we're posting on our Patreon page so that way uh, play, uh, our our donators can get kind of a sense to where you're placing them on your board. Is that correct? Well, it's not necessarily where I'm placing them, but whether the guy is a fit or not. Gotcha. Okay. You know, so, you know, when we do a guy, like, like we talked about, and I, he's got a real long name, so I can't remember the name. Uh, even if you put it in front of me, I can't read the name. <laughs> the, the defensively, he played defensive end at Northwestern. Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to pronounce it either. (laughs) Go ahead. When I first saw him doing tape last summer, right away, just looking at his build, I said, this guy's not a defensive end. He's a a three-tech. Depending on – now, they had him listed at at, uh, 265 pounds, I think, on the um, Northwestern website. Mm -hmm. Well, I think – at Mobile, he was 6'1 and change, had 34-inch arms, or better than 34-inch arms, and weighed like 282, mm-hmm. which means, you know, he's going to get up. And he's the guy that just destroyed Jarrett Patterson on that one thing, just walked him back like five, six yards. Uh, but all the reps he took that I have seen so far, and I haven't seen all the senior bowl tape, all of his reps were inside playing as a defensive tackle because that's what he is. So that guy, even though he was an end in college for the bear scheme and for, and for a lot of teams that play a similar team, he's a three tech mm-hmm. and probably would be a pretty decent one because he is so damn explosive. Uh, thank you, Barlissima, for the phonetic spelling. A D Bowel Warrior. I can't. I can't even do it uh, with the phonetic spelling. But uh, it is. Uh, and his first name is much longer than eighty. But eighty Adibal Warrior. He had an outstanding week at the Senior Bowl. We're going to be talking about him more on an upcoming show. Uh, yeah, we we did him with the defensive ends. But I remember saying he's probably a three. But the Senior Bowl verified 
that that's what he is. And and what I wanted to know was how big was he really? And being he's only six one and change, he's big enough. He can play and he's strong. Mm-hmm. So and he'll probably end up, you know, he gets in a, a NFL weight room. He'll probably play at two ninety, mm-hmm. and and his body fat will be fine. Yeah. Somebody, and I I didn't save it, but somebody in the chat room said earlier that there appears to be a lot of emerging three techs available in this NFL draft so that if Jalen Carter or even Deron Payne are not signings uh, or acquisitions by the Chicago Bears, there could still be some uh, really good candidates. Well, my my favorite is, and and, uh, Danny will back me up on this, is... Mm -hmm. Truly Tulapuloto, if I said that right. <laughs> I think it did. USC. <laughs> and he was really a five technique at USC. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they put him out. But this, he's an idea. Every time I looked at him, I said, this is Tommy Harris all over again. And really, 13 and a half sacks playing inside. And and you don't see that. And some of that was was coming off the edge. But he's he can run. He's explosive. He's got long arms. I'm interested in seeing exactly how big he is. They got him listed at 6'4", 290. Does that mean he's 6'3 and a half? And, and you know, what's his real weight? Uh, and, and the 40 isn't as, isn't as important as the 10 and the 20 with defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. That's what you're looking at because they're never going to run 40 in, the, um, in a game anyway. But that 10, that, that initial quickness, is extremely important when you're getting verified times. Now, the other thing I want to mention, as long as I'm thinking about it right now, is 40 times are, are starting to become obsolete. They're not out the window yet, but they're getting there. And the reason being is you have GPS and you've got verified mile per hour, miles per hour speeds of players in games or yeah. in practices. And the colleges have, not every college has it. That's why a 40 is not going to be uh, obsolete yet. But a lot of the major colleges have it. You know, there's a chip in the shoulder pads or something. And, and they, so you, you get a, a verified speed on the guy. And there's some guys that are, you know, when they're running at top speed on the field, they're breaking 21 miles an hour. So I don't care what he runs in the 40, he can run. You know, it, it's real simple. So mm-hmm. guys like, uh, let's say, A.T. Perry or some other real tall guys, they don't necessarily time as well as you'd like because they are long guys. They got long legs, long arms. They're tall. Their initial start coming out of the blocks might not be quite as good but then when you get their top end speed from that GPS, you find out he's faster than the guy who ran a four, four, two. Right. Right. You know, so that's, that's all part of the analytical stuff for lack of a better word that you're looking at when you're, when you're looking at a guy's speed, I got to let my dog out the store here for one second. Although he, you're going right ahead and do that. 
<laughs> you go right ahead and do that. And I'll let people know again that uh, our Barroom Draft Exclusives is our Patreon page now where Greg is providing anywhere between 7 to 12-minute scouting evaluations on a number of players, and Danny Shimon is as well. By the time the draft uh, is set up, there are going to be well over 100 closer to 200 draft reports from players that the Bears should consider or maybe not consider and why. In addition to that, I'm posting tons of videos, stuff that I acquired at the Senior Bowl, stuff that I acquired elsewhere, and my own weekly newsletter, the latest one that I put up with my thoughts about the Senior Bowl and its fight so to speak, uh, with the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl for attention and for uh, staying afloat and during these tough times. Greg, I got to tell you, I really do love going down to Mobile, uh, Alabama. You know, I, I I wonder if, you know, the NFL isn't, though, putting some uh, uh, pressure on uh, uh, Jim Nagy to maybe move the mo uh, from Mobile because it's so difficult to get to. And I'm sure it's, you know, the practice facilities, as you mentioned, at the East-West Shrine Bowl game are so much more robust than what coaches have available for them down in Mobile. So that's going to be an interesting thing to watch, right? Well, they they already asked the Shrine or the, the Senior Bowl to move and they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So okay. that's what kicked off the move by the NFL to say, okay, screw you. We're going to the East West. Mm, wow. And, uh, and as a way of perhaps showing their discontent uh, with uh, Jim Nagy and the senior bowl, that NFL head coaching teams are now being sent to the shrine bowl and it's not going to be an alternate type of thing, right? It's going to be. Every that was year. the original thought, but from what I yeah. understand, it's, it's going to be, the East-West is going to get the full coaching staff going forward. Okay, excellent. All right. I, there was one topic that I wanted to discuss with you. Um, Mark Anderson, you drafted him in the fifth round, and I'm forgetting the year. I want to say it was 2005 or 2006. Yeah, it was, it was round in there somewhere. 2004 was the first year of Lovey. He had, he had a, some medical concerns. Up and down career. His workout was outstanding. So another guy that, you know, when you look at his combine workout, mm -hmm. he should have been a riser. But he went right where he's supposed to because, number one, it's not just the workout. Your your body of tape that you had during the, the season is important, and your medical is important. And there were some medical issues, and I don't remember what they were, mm -hmm. Um that you know held him back so you know you say well i'm not going to take him in the second round and maybe his tape says i should take him in the second or third because of the medical issues but as a fifth rounder now he becomes a bargain yeah indeed and uh that was the 2006 draft uh the now you can you can google and you'll get it put um his name and put combine results and you'll okay. get everything he did. Okay. I could do it, but I'd lose you. No, we don't want to do that. Um, well, I, can me. Do it, I can do it. I can do it on my phone. I, uh, I have it here uh, for, oh, let's see. Um, combine results. Uh, la, 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 la. 
Uh, wrong Mark Anderson. <laughs> such a common name. Mark Anderson, Alabama, combine results. And if you want to put 2006, do that too. Then you'll get it right away. Yep, there he is. For some reason, though, when I go to this one site with his information, it kicks me back out. Um, here, I'm, I'm doing it on my phone. I'll have it in a second here. Excellent. But the reason I wanted Greg to talk about Mark Anderson is because he was a gem found in the fifth round, a pass rushing gem. And so I wanted to explore with him what goes into finding these gems, because that's the way, one of the quickest ways, of course, to expedite the growth of your rebuild uh, to get to play out football faster is finding these day three players who can contribute immediately. And we all remember that 2006 season and the season that Mark Anderson had. Uh, I've got his stats here in front of me. In that rookie season, he had 12 sacks to go along with 23 solo tackles. He was a uh, specialist pass rusher, and he just did such a tremendous job and was a big reason why the Bears defense was outstanding here's, that year. Here's what he did. He was six four and a quarter, 254, ran a 461, had a 16410, uh, a 422 20 shuttle, a 695 three cone, which is better than excellent, 42 inch vertical jump, and 10 7 broad jump, did 20 reps at 225. So his athleticism was up with a, you know, first round guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there was, you know, between the overall look at his tape and then there was a little bit of a medical concern, you get him in the fifth round. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you about him. Was How much did coaching help him get those 12 sacks that season? And how much was it the fact that he was playing alongside Erlacher and a bunch of other outstanding Well, Erlacher was behind him. Erlacher right. was was the Mike, but he had Marinelli coaching him. And, and for my money, the best defensive line coach had ever coached the D-line. So, because Marinelli, and I might have said this in an earlier show, during individual beginning of practice it's all hand use he works on hand use every single day and so that's a key for defensive linemen and winning those battles is having quick hands strong hands and and being able to use them properly so um i think it was a, a you know little bit of everything he had the talent mm -hmm. but you know I think because he, he he didn't last real long, and that goes back to the the injury factor. Mm -hmm. uh, but for a fifth round pick, hell, you do it every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Hey, speaking of hand use, you reminded me that I captured some video of Blake Freeland, uh, the BYU mammoth offensive tackle. Uh, we're going to be talking about him in a future show. But I wanted to show you this video and have you kind of break it down for me. What is going on here? We've got one of the coaches from uh, the All-Star team teaching him about hand use. Can, do you know exactly what he is telling him? And I, I, I kicked myself that I didn't go up to Blake and ask him, what did you learn there? Well, okay. He's – the coach who's on the right is, is really – 
teaching them how the, the proper use of the, of the punch, where mm-hmm. he should place it. But what the defensive lineman is also going to do, you know how he's slapping the hands down? Right. Yeah, so you you got to have strength in your arms and you got to have power in that punch. You know, a ward grade in offensive lineman, that's one of the first things you look at is, you know, first of all, how he comes up. Is he coming up like this from the from the inside? Is he hitting? You want him hitting right in here, not out here. But you, he's got to have some jolt. He's got to have some power to that punch. Because, and then what the coach is explaining to him is that one of the first things a defensive lineman is going to do is try to slap his hands out of the way. And if you don't have strong arms, that can happen easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I apologize. I, I, I looked for 20 minutes to try to find that coach's name, uh, but the website didn't have uh, the names of all the position coaches. I wish they would do that because those guys deserve so much praise for the work they do at these All-Star games. All right, um, so again, Back to our learning lesson regarding Mark Anderson and finding these pass rushing gems and finding offensive line gems on day three. Anything else that from a scouting perspective that you think we uh, students of the game should know about finding these uh, these well, uh, trench gems? You're, the first thing you're looking for is traits. And a lot of people hate that word, but that's what it is. I mean, do they have the, the athletic traits to play in the game? Mm-hmm. Okay. And obviously you got to have a, a strong competitive uh, nature about them. Uh, they got to have good tape. I mean, you know, it's going down. Don't forget you're talking fifth, sixth round, seventh round. So, but there's got to be some redeeming qualities within the, those traits and their tape that you would take them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, okay. you know, theoretically, because, you know, and I'll hamper on this for the next two months. No two boards are alike. Mark Anderson or whatever, you know, we got him in the fifth. We probably had him in our third round. I'd, you know, I'd have to see if I had the, you know, the round values back then. But you, you, when you get, if you got a, say a top 10 player, top 12 player in, in the second round, when your second round pick, you're praying that you get a guy that you have in your first 32. You know, and when you get into the third round, you want a second round. And when you get into the fourth round, you want a low second or a third. So it, and, and that's because there's going to be guys that are taken that other teams have high and you may have low. And it works vice versa. There's going to be guys taken in the fourth round that that the Bears or some other team may have rated as a, as a free agent. It's the way they look at the players and 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 what they're looking at from a profile standpoint. We could use the big tackle Jones from Ohio State. Yeah, he's not going to be as graded highly as highly by the Bears as he is by a team who uses a totally different scheme. And again, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with, with his, his ability or not his ability, his talent. It has everything to do with, can he, 
play within our scheme. Because if you're taking somebody who can't play within your scheme, you're wasting your pick. Mm -hmm. yep. Now, it used to be you say, okay, well, I got to adjust the scheme. Well, no, you can't. If you've got an outside zone team that requires your tackles to do that, you're not going to change your whole method of blocking to take one player. You find mm -hmm. players that can do that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like you're not, you're not going to put a 200 or 350 pound nose tackle at the one technique in this defense. So guys like mm -hmm. that, you, you, you take off the board. You just don't. And, and what I mean is you give them a grade and I should clarify this, like Juwan Jones, if, if this was when I was here, he wouldn't even be on the board. Okay. He'd be on the sideboard, the position board, but he wouldn't be on the board you're drafting from the hot list board because it's out of sight, out of mind. He's not a fit. We don't want him. You know, we only had, we had less than a hundred names on the board we were drafting from, mm -hmm. There's, you know, 230 or 255 guys getting drafted. Yeah. All right. Uh, great stuff. And I, I got a, uh, I got a couple of questions I want to get to, but before doing that, one of the things I wanted to ask you is what is going on now? with free agency because tons of scouts at these all-star games, every general manager in the league is going out to, to, to think that there isn't some type of signals going on, some type of, Hey, my guy is interested in you, your guy kind of thing. Is that's what's going on right now. I mean, in are terms you trying of to say is tampering going on? <laughs> I didn't want to use the T word, but yes. <laughs> Is that really going on right now? Of course, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, and it's not, it's not, you're trying to make a deal. You're trying to find out what they're going to cost. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you talk to them and, and you know, you run, you run into certain agent at the senior bowl at the East West and, you're talking to him and, and uh, you know, he goes, by the way, I got uh, this guy and this guy, you know, as free agents, you're going to be interested in them. Well, we could. What's it going to cost me? Well, we're thinking it's going to cost this. Yeah, that might be a little out of our price range, but you're just now, is that tampering really? You know, it, it's getting information. Yeah, right. And you know, so th that's basically what you're doing because, I mean, you can't make a deal. Right. Okay, so, uh, but you can get an idea of what it's going to cost to sign certain players. Mm -hmm. And it might, might end up being a little cheaper. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, with all of the free agency money that Ryan Poles has ab available, now it's a little under uh, that hundred million mark. He's got to be the most popular general manager at these All Star games. Scouts have to be trying to get his ear to see if mean, there's any agents. Uh, agents, yeah, but, excuse me. Yeah, but the 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 players got to want to go there too. Okay, the players gonna the players say, oh, "I don't want to go to Chicago." I mean, then you're. You know that then you got to overpay to get the guy. Mm -hmm. You know you got to say, well, what if I get in this? You know, and 
nobody else is going to match that. And they're always going to go where the money is. But th- there could be certain players that just, regardless, they, they, they don't want to play in certain places. Like yeah. if it was me and if I was a free agent right now, I love the California, you know, the California weather, but I wouldn't go to any team in California because of the tax situation in that state. Mm. You know, why, why should I go there when I can make more money somewhere else when you figure in the taxes? Do, do teams allow for that when there's negotiations? Hey, you know, we'll, we'll pl- pay you a little bit more because the tax situation here is uh, unbearable? Um, they, they could. I mean, you know, like you, you look at the, um, say, the, the, the Texas, Tennessee, Nevada, Florida, probably a few others, they don't have state income tax. Mm-hmm. So that makes a difference in your what you see in the bottom line of your paycheck. Indeed. And where California, you're paying an exorbitant amount, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and that's at all taxes. And then your gas, your gas is probably 30 percent higher there than it is everywhere else. And, you know, and we pay high for gas here. But then you go down. I don't know if you looked at the gas prices in Alabama. You're down there, but I guarantee you it was a lot less than it was here. Hell yes. <laughs> and Georgia's the same way. I mean, what? by the way, what was it? What would you, what'd you have to pay for gas in Alabama? $3.30. Well, that, that's right now, that's a buck cheaper. Yeah. Well, that's considerable. For, for regular, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. For the cheapest. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's a buck cheaper. And and yeah. Georgia, I think, is even a little cheaper. Yeah. Uh Greg, here's what I'd like to do. Um, we are a week behind on our GTF shows because you were in Vegas, I was in Alabama. We were unable to do a show. So what because what we're doing for our listeners and followers is we flip-flop shows every week we do a draft on tap show on Wednesday nights. And then the following week when the draft on tap guys are busy looking at tape then Greg and I do a show together. So can we do a show next Monday and continue our discussion about the senior bowl, about the shrine bowl and all the latest news. In addition, you and I have a date later this week to do some more scouting evaluations for our Patreon page, barroom draft exclusives. Is that a, is that a deal? All right. He is Greg Gabriel. He is a master. I, I've jotted down. I always jot down little segments of the show that I can turn into a nice 30, 60 second commercial. I've got about 10 of them now that I'm going to go back and view and I'll post that up uh, for all of our followers. For those of you whose questions I did not get to. Wait a minute. I, I got to get to this one before I let you go. Okay. Darnell Wright. Is he an example of a Tawan? Uh, excuse me, Dewan uh, Jones type of player who is an outstanding, uh, uh, very promising, let's put it, offensive lineman, but he may not have the lateral skills similar to Jones? I would say, based on what I said, and I like the player too, but I'm going to tell you what a a friend of mine who made a school call, he said – until he played Alabama and he shut down Anderson, he said his tape during the year was average. And then he had that game and everything went up and he goes, it's like that was the game of his life. Mm. Um, you know, the plus minus vanilla. Sure. 
I'd call him a vanilla right okay. now. Now, part of it is, you know, you get to the combine, you want to see the testing because it, it, it don't really care that much about the 40, care about the 10 and the 20, and you care about the agility drills, the three cone, the 20 shuttle, because that's, you know, that's telling you about their, their flexibility, their quickness in short areas, their ability to adjust on the move. If they can do those things really good, then you can play within this scheme. doesn't mean you only got to be 300 pounds to play in this scheme. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's your athleticism. Okay, I just, you don't see on tape, and I'd have to go back and look more, but I did him, and, and I like him, but you don't really see him doing some of the things you want a guy to, you know, you want to see for a guy to play in this thing. Like, uh, I tell you who can is, is um, you know, the left tackle at Oklahoma's played right tackle. He can play in this game. Bergeron from Syracuse, who was down at the, the senior bowl. He can play. They all, they can play in this scheme in a minute and a half, you know, and Bergeron, I think is what, 320 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, good football player, Canadian kid. Uh, so, there, there's a bunch that can do it. it. It's you just want to make sure you get the right fit. Personally, I think they're going to try to get that right tackle situation taken care of in free agency if they can make the right deal with the right guy. Mm-hmm. By the way, I, I want to give a special shout out to all of those or, already subscribers on our Patreon page, but one person in particular, and that is Donald, because he sent me an email. He sent me a couple of emails. Hey, when is that Patreon page going to be up? When, I, I need to get on there. And when, when it was up, he sent me an email saying, I am like a dancing bear. I am so happy to get all this knowledge from uh, Greg Gabriel and uh, and Danny Shimon. And then he even, even said something nice about me, which was <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, so thank you very I much. Really hard to do, really. <laughs> I haven't heard my wife say anything nice about me in about 15 years. <laughs> so uh, with that, we will close this episode of GTF. We will be back here next Monday. And again, check out the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash barroom draft uh, for more uh, great Gabriel information. Take care, everyone. We will all see you very, very soon. Bye, Greg. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.